0: you're listening to speak out radio on 106.1 fm i'm compass i use they them pronouns and i'm here with let's go over to you jay
1: uh kia ora, i'm jay i use they them or he him pronouns uh
2: kia ora, my name is maggie and i use they them pronouns
0: and we're back for is this our third or fourth adhd episode i think this is our fourth third maybe yeah hey? together third Oh no,
2: wait, hang on.
0: Because Maggie and I have done one together that where you weren't Jay, and then I think we've done two with you, so I think this is our fourth overall.
2: Yeah. It's been pretty consistent, though, throughout the years.
0: Which is a, a surprise. <laughs> 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 when it's once a year, we can manage it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Even though it's the wrong month, but that's okay. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever.
0: You know, live, love, love. Yeah. Um, It's here now, and that's what matters. Um, So what we wanted to chat about today was, because it has been um, four years in the making, we wanted to chat about basically where we were when we first thought we had ADHD, when we first got diagnosed, and then kind of comparing that to where we are now, Mm -hmm. um, and just sort of going into some different aspects of what that looks like. And one of the first things that we wanted to chat about was like the development of routines over Mm -hmm. um, that period of time because I think routines are one of those they're very I think they're very central to what people talk about when they talk about ADHD um, and are also super important but also the most difficult thing ever. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So shall we go over to you first, Maggie? Do you have anything you would like to to say?
2: Well, I think. Yeah, just comparing myself to um, when I was first diagnosed, and now it's just a completely different um, experience, I just feel a lot more in control, I feel a lot more stable, Um, and and medication is quite a a large element to that, but really it just, it helped me. develop good routines and good strategies rather than it just being medication to help the problem. Um, but for me, I've tried, um, for a very long time to do very small steps. So for example, um, I would either try to work on, you know, just one habit, and that would be the habit that I'd work on. So for example, at the moment, I'm trying to have just one coffee. Um, and trying to work on that or, you know, having a good sleep routine. Um, Another thing that I tried to work into my routine was, um, uh, you know, like, can I finish a paper at uni? Can I do it well? Okay, I can do that. I'm going to try two papers. Can I do that well? Yes, I can. So I'm going to add some more to it, sort of like, you know, baby steps rather than, you know, try and take everything at once. Um, so that was, that was quite helpful for me. Um, what about you, Jay? Um, yeah, I'm pretty similar in terms of, like,
1: how different things were when I was first diagnosed, because I was only, I was diagnosed in the last six months of my undergrad degree, and a similar story where it was like, I just couldn't (laughs) do anything. (laughs) Like, I would do things, but it would be all before deadlines, and, you know, it was very unstructured. I basically never went to class like at all before that. I would just kind of complete things ad hoc online and, you know, my sleep schedule was all over the place and where I'm at now, like having just finished the first part of my master's degree, like, you know, I would pretty consistently every day be like, okay, regardless of what I'm doing today, I'm going to be at uni at nine and I'm going to leave at four to go to night classes. Um, and even at the moment being, I'm based down at the Coastal Ecology Lab full-time now and prep for my thesis year, just like still going, cool, I leave the house every day at 8.10 and I have like a 40-minute walk to work, I mean uni, and um, you know, then I do stuff for the day, eat lunch at about this time, go to work, go home. It's been very good for me actually. Mm-hmm. I used to have like too many you know a lot of different jobs because that adhd brand needed the stimulus of doing a lot of different things constantly
0: i remember you having like (laughs) i swear at one point you had like seven different jobs and i was like jay how do you have time in your week for all of this
1: yeah like when i had my gap year i was literally doing 10 different jobs it was a bit stupid (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i mean I'm not doing that anymore obviously thankfully and I'm hashtag thriving so
2: (laughs) I mean the thing is like we thrive in a structured environment and so many people do who don't have ADHD but we're drawn to so many new things and we kind of self-sabotage ourselves Mm. Um, and I mean like anyone who has a lot of stuff on their plate you know can be um a bit scattered or you know like forget things but it just kind of makes our um condition a lot worse mm. Mm.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah and this is saying from personal experience this is not a judgmental comment yes. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah i feel like since i've because i got diagnosed in my last year of high school i think um so it was, like, I felt like I've been through a lot of stages of my life with uh, and knowing that I had ADHD. Um, and I do feel like I have n- not mastered the routine uh, yet. <laughs> um, and I think that does, like, because of, like, the, the job that I have, well, the jobs that I have, of, like, um, they're quite all over the place. They're all qu- quite fluid, and I need mm. to respond to, like, other people's schedules more than setting my own um so it makes it quite hard to get a routine around working um but I think I've been I've I've been especially this year been beating myself up quite a lot because I don't have that really structured routine um and I was like I've kind of just decided at this point that I'm gonna sorry I hit a table um lean more (laughs) into um going with the things that work for me for two weeks and then Mm. like leaning more into the constant novelty of things and seeing how well that works for me Um, because I know that over the years I'm always the most productive when I've gotten this new way of organizing myself and I'm actually really like i want to say enwrapped in it but like i'm obsessed with doing it in this certain way and then it stops working and i need to find a new one mm. um so i've just sort of been leaning into doing that and being like i can get the stuff i need to get done done by doing this rather than trying to force myself to stay with this one thing that isn't working anymore mm. for me um which i think has been a, a big change because i i especially with making routines i always thought it was like this thing of i have to do this one thing and then i have to do it for the rest of my life and if mm. i don't do that then i um <laughs> am a complete failure um which is absolutely not true and doesn't actually line up with the way that my brain works um who knows and might change as i um continue to get older um but that's where I'm at right now and I'm kind of enjoying it um as well um and it's been it's taken a lot off my shoulders as well I think of not feeling like I have to um fit into the neurotypical mold almost in a way that really isn't working for me Mm -hmm. um and I do think like that is something that the way I like the things I do with my life sort of lean like let me do which is quite cool. Um, But now I do have things that I do quite consistently through, like I have two D and D groups. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I do those like twice a week and pretty much every week, unless I have something else on that I need to go to, um, which has like given me structure from a, in a week to week basis rather than like a, a, like a day to day basis, Mm. which I've also found quite useful um yeah so that's where where i'm at currently
2: i mean interestingly enough um one of the very few silver linings to covid um was the introduction of like flexible working conditions and flexible working situations and you know for people who are able to like work from home that worked really well um especially if you're just like having one of those days where everything is too loud or everything is too bright or you don't have the energy to leave the house but you're able to um sort of work from home so i think like a lot of people have really benefited from you know having um flexible work as well Mm.
0: Mm. yeah i agree i think as well um especially with being able to do things online and having things recorded online has been the biggest help ever because mm. trying to sit down, especially if it's like a full day thing or it's like hours on end of like <laughs> nothing actually sticks and being able to go back um, or like take things at my own pace has been super useful.
2: Hmm. How have you found um, sort of studying, Jay? Because I, kn- I know you'd probably have quite a bit of a you know practical in-person element like you've said. Um, but have there been sort of, like, lectures that have, you know, been online or, like, any flexible um, things that you've been able to use?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like, for, for Master's Part 1, it was all taught. So, like, I'm getting into doing the practical, going out in the field and catching some fish and stuff, like, as of tomorrow. That's when I, like, start officially. Um, but so the past year has been doing the regular, like, similar to undergrad things where you go to lectures and you hand in assignments and stuff like that. Um and for the most part it was pretty flexy. Like I mean would go in and out of lockdown or like up into level two or three or whatever and like have stuff delivered um online or in a dual capacity. And so that was pretty chill. I still like um you know, I could go I could could have stayed home and done that from home pretty much the entire time. But I prefer it. Like I like working from home sometimes, but I also like for me personally my brand of ADHD is always, like, if I'm physically at my house, I'm, like, here's all these other things that I could and should be doing yeah. housework-wise. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'll look at my plants and go, oh, damn, I haven't done a food treatment on them in, like, three weeks. I need to do that. Or, like, oh, but I could, like, rearrange my room or something like that. And so I just get distracted more by things at my house. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, I mean, it, it still has been really good, though, if I have had that time where I'm, like, I just, like, can't go into uni or whatever today so i'll just do that from home and that's fine so that has been like a really good tool when i've needed it um even if i don't always use it because i get more done when i'm physically at the place
0: yeah mm. yeah i i feel like as well that's another i'm a very inconsistent person of uh, <laughs> like sometimes i work really well from home and sometimes i like i cannot physically do anything here because there is a tv here um (laughs) so um of like um also having that flexibility of like being able to be like i'm going to go into the office today because that's what Mm. i need to like kickstart my brain um and then also being able to be like i can sit down in my work chair and like do Mm. my work from home is really nice um well i feel like i'm giving no answers i'm just like i do what i want (laughs)
2: But I guess it's just like about having those options, whereas, you know, perhaps in the past we haven't really had the flexibility, Mm, um, for sure. Especially just like, I guess, working or studying, Um, it's been such a like a regimented thing, Um, and like a lot of people had been advocating for you know, like accessible or flexible working Mm. situations and. And now it is an option for some people, Mm. um, which is really nice. So you can decide whether or not, you know, that's something that you need on the day.
0: Mm. True, true. And that flexibility is so nice. Um, But I think also, I feel like there is a little bit more um, understanding when it comes to, that I do think has come out of the pandemic a little bit of just understanding that sometimes people even if there is nothing like physically holding them back, sometimes people are just not able Mm. to do things because they need a break or they just need like time off or just Mm. that stress is actually a really big um, part of hindering productivity. Um, So getting rid of stress is really important and being able to take a day off to just do nothing or do um, very little or just do the bits that you feel like you can do is really important. Um, which Mm. I think is a nice sort of I don't think it's a complete shift in like our work Mm. culture but I do think it has become um, like a bit of a shift that's come out of the pandemic of just needing to understand that people are where they are at and there's nothing you can like there are no words that you can say to shift people out of that you just need to give them time um, and like the resources that they need to be able to do that which I think is great
2: Mm. And so kind of like thinking back to um, like your first job that you've had um, compared to now, what what are things like for you both in terms of, um, I guess, like understanding about perhaps what you need or, you know, like workplace culture mm. or, I mean, you can skew it to however you're wanting to talk about it.
0: I feel like I, um, like with my, my first jobs, they were all mostly contract jobs. So it was like, you go really hard for like 12 hours and then do like, you wouldn't have to go every single day. Um, which I think, uh was good at the good at the time and now I've moved into like I have work full-time now and I have to work full-time every week uh, which Mm -hmm. I think is still something that I'm like switching over I'm like yeah I have to do full-time hours which means that I have to work full-time hours Um, (laughs) but I think um, having that can like it being quite consistent even if like the things that I'm doing are quite different knowing that I'm oops like for these set days, I have things that I have to do is quite nice because I'm not sort of left in that, um, the painful boredom and not mm. having anything to do, which I think mm. is quite nice. Um, I do think it has changed the way that I've had to work because I can't just be like, I'm going to put all of my dopamine into these um, <laughs> next like eight to 12 hours. Um, instead, I have to, um, I've had to put things in place to make sure that I'm not overworking myself and i'm also not underworking myself of like um like i don't work after like like i'm not allowed to look at my emails at all after 6 p.m Mm. um and like i turn notifications off for work things after six um and i have to start working before like one in the afternoon because if i start after one i will not have time um to do things um Mm. so it's like stuff like that that still has like quite a bit of flexibility of like starting before one is easy. That means I can start at eight or I can start at 11, Uh, but it's giving myself enough time to actually do the things that I need to do as well as giving myself time to like do the rituals I guess I need Mm. to do um, to get into like the the brain space to be able to work. Um, Mm. And I think it's also really highlighted to me how important it is to have time off And, like, Mm, saving my weekends. Um, And, like, I've... It's been sometimes successful, sometimes not, but just having Sunday where I completely do nothing. Um, And we are recording this on a Sunday, so I have broken that (laughs) rule, but it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But even, I mean, like, doing something for an hour isn't the same as, like, hanging out with a friend for eight hours um, or something like that. Um, And I I found as well... um, that my like my home versus like work life balance has been quite hard to manage as well Mm. um because I'll come back from work or like working uh for like the week and I'll realize that I've done like no chores because it would get to the evening and I was like (laughs) um yeah (laughs) like um for, for some reason in my brain like chores and my work are in the same place so I guess after 6 p.m and I'm like no I don't have to do it because I'm not working <laughs> um, which is um it's still a struggle um mm. but it's uh yeah I think it's kind of like what you're saying uh you were saying Maggie of like doing the little things of like mm. I've started doing like all of my when I do cooking and like all of my dishes and stuff I like clean them immediately after I've used them like before I eat dinner um Mm. because it just makes it way easier and then I will not forget about it because um my memory is so awful (laughs) how about how about you Jay how have you found it (laughs)
1: so I um I my first jobs were in like hospo when I was like 14 or 15 and I I did that for several years and I hated it (laughs) (laughs) I mean it was it was really good because like even though you're in the same spot it's like no no two evenings are the same so like it wasn't boring it was just tiring um and then I I had a couple of full-time jobs which were just summer research internships and I found those really hard because those were before I was diagnosed so I had no idea why everything was so challenging all the time Um, But now, like, because, I mean, I'm studying full time, but I, you know, I caught myself earlier, I think, being like, oh, going, I have my commute to work in the morning. I just think about, like, my job instead of just study because it's nine to five most days. But then I also teach night class three days a week, which is between 5.30 and 9.30. Um, So, like, what has been good about where I'm at now versus where I was at then and and part of this is just, like, my own openness about having ADHD is, like, I'm mostly left to my own devices about things. And that's what I prefer. Mm. Like, some, I have the option of che- – like, I, I have a meeting with my supervisor, like, once a fortnight. And then there are other people around um, who I can, like, check in with and, like, ask questions and stuff. But for the most part, I'll kind of, like, ask for advice from people. And then they just, like, let me do what I want. Mm. <laughs> and so that level of flexibility – like, with the night classes, for example – We get given um, a curriculum, but they're like, "Yeah, if you want to use your own resources, you can." And so, of course, I do use my own resources. And like right from the jump in week one, I make it very clear to all my students, like, "Hello, I have ADHD. I'm on the autism spectrum. Like, if there's you know, sometimes I talk really fast or write on the board messily, and like, if you need me to like go back over something, like." I'm here to be accessible as a teacher because I didn't really have that when I was in school Mm. and just being like and it's been really cool because I've had some of my students come up to me after the first class and be like I have ADHD too like I love Mm. that you're my first teacher that has ADHD as well and like that's great this is fantastic our brain works the same and I'm like dope and actually like that's meant that my teaching has become a lot well in my opinion has become a lot better because I'm I'm being more like Genuine and honestly myself with people and expressing my needs and being mm. like, well, if you guys need something, I actually need you to tell me that.
0: Yeah. Oh, I I've totally feel that. Um, if you're able to be authentic about your ADHD and your own needs, it's um, it like really does take a weight off.
1: Yes. 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 And yeah. So that's meant that like that's been really good for my teaching because I'm also just like expressive of what I need as a teacher in order to like help them out best. And it's the same with my stuff like down at ViewSelf All Time is just like, yeah, I, I don't know, like in part, a lot, a lot of that is just to do with me becoming more comfortable in myself generally as I've gotten older mm. and being like, okay, well, I can actually tell people what I need. And I don't have to just like, like, you know, with some of my, maybe one of my second or third hospital jobs, I like stayed in it for about nine months, even though I was totally miserable because I was desperate for the work. And my bosses were just, like, assholes who made, like... You know, they are like, oh, we like to make non-PC jokes. And so I was a cheap shot because I'm, like, bi and trans and brown. And so they just made, like, a lot of horrific jokes. And I was not... I was, like, 19 and not self-confident enough to be like, this actually sucks. And it's not yeah. worth the money. I'm going to leave. um, And, you know, like... I don't know where I was going with this basic basically like in terms of job things mm. things are a lot better and more manageable because I'm very open about having ADHD and not not in a like stigmatizing not in a mm. what's the word? Uh pathologizing way where I'm like, yeah. oh, XYZ because my ADHD means I can't function or like whatever. It's literally just me going, Yeah, I have ADHD, so I do these things sometimes and it's like a quirk of my personality and I like who I am and yeah. I like the way my brain works. Um mm. but in order for us to work best together and more cohesively and have like a good professional relationship here are the things that I need mm. and I've like gravitated towards roles and parts of study that allow me to do that rather than just being expected to do things a set way
0: yeah I feel that yeah. I feel like um, in my role with Inside Out particularly of um we we do get a lot of like freedom of like we get checked we get checked up on and all of that sort of stuff but we do get a lot of um freedom about the way we present things and we get mm. to be quite authentically ourselves as well we don't have to uh we have to be professional obviously but we don't have to yes. put on like a professional facade of like um or act in a way that isn't um genuine or authentic to ourselves which i think has been really useful in utilizing my adhd in Mm. um in those sort of spaces especially when i'm doing things like i'm presenting to like a class or to staff Mm. i get to like actually bring the fact that i'm enthusiastic and (laughs) um love to talk (laughs) um Mm -hmm. to those spaces and that um i do actually um, care and know what I'm talking about, and therefore can share that in quite a, a more authentic way than if I was trying to be, um, I don't know, calm. <laughs> mm. Yeah, um, which I think adds a lot.
2: How do you find I, that, Nikki? I think just like trying to find, um, you know, the easiest way to do things and not pigeonholing ourselves into jobs that just don't work for us. Mm. Um, So, I've now started sort of looking for work, and I have found work which, um, you know, utilises my strengths rather than trying to pigeonhole myself into, you know, a job that completely destroys me. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like drained and, you know, don't have the energy to hang out with people after work or Mm -hmm. in, in general because, you know, like I'm exhausted. Um, Mm. Because that's what it was like when I was first working is, you know, I just wanted any kind of job and um, especially because you know, I Had a very unstable sort of working history. I was like, I just need a job like just one job that pays You know, it's consistent. I stay there for a while Mm. Um, and then you know, once I know I can do that I'll go on to something that has more hours And so I slowly tried to work myself um, sort of, you know, step by step up into something that one, you know, paid um, because it was the the first tier of like my different steps up to something that works for me. Um, And I've finally sort of found that job, Um, but also especially studying, I try and find little cheats of um, combining the two. So, you know, um, in, in my job, I'm learning about, um, you know, how to code and how to do statistical analyses, which is something that I need for my study. And mm. so I'm, I'm learning these skills, but I, I don't have to expend, you know, twice as much time mm. um, because I, I'm doing it at my work and it's helping me with my job, but it's also helping me with my study. Mm. Um, and also just, yeah, being more aware of um, what I need to to thrive and you know be um, productive, like having regular breaks. So usually I'll do um, one hour on, ten minutes off, mm-hmm. um, and you know I'll still fulfill my hours, um, but I'll I'll take a, a, a break, um, and just you know like using notepads as well. I think you know. I, I just try and make things as, as easy as possible for me to to be able to thrive, mm. um, but I feel like it's yeah it's just been a long time coming, um, going from like not being able to ho- hold down a job to you know having a job that I actually enjoy and mm. is like a consistent thing.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, I I think um what you said about the of like doing what you need to do while you're working to support your brain of like you working for an hour and then 10 minutes off Mm -hmm. that was something that I've um I'm I'm sure I've been doing like all of my life but has become really highlighted in what I need Mm -hmm. to do as I need to think while I work um and I cannot do other things while I'm thinking so I'll like while I'm working I will just suddenly just stop being on like my laptop or whatever i'm doing and i'll just walk around um mm. just thinking about what i actually need to do next because i need to be able to mentally plan out what i need to do um, yeah. otherwise i get completely lost um yeah. or i get really overwhelmed by all of the things that i need to be doing um mm. and i'm just like okay so i need to do 25 things at the exact same time um which is completely um not feasible <laughs> um So taking that time to be able to just like step back, not do anything and just plan out what I'm going to do for even just the next hour um, is so useful um, and something that I think I hadn't consciously realized I was doing and was super important for me to be able to um, actually do things. Um, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which really similar. Sorry. No, you go, you you go.
1: Okay, I'm really similar and especially like with my you know for example like I've got to set up experimental stuff pretty soon to collect data over summer and um, I was I like found that pretty much impossible to do until I like actually physically went down to Cell like a month and a half ago to have like a full day where I just like walked around and looked at what we had at our disposal and then like stared at things for a really long time like on Friday some storage containers were really expensive so I was like oh well I have to think about something else to do and so that I you know I needed these storage containers and then I literally just like went and sat in front of the sea tables and like stared at them for about 45 minutes and just like scribbled a whole lot of notes and weird diagrams to like throw things at the wall because I, I was like I need to physically look at it I can't like think about it if it's not there and also I guess like similarly with the you getting up and walking around It'll be a thing where I'll have, like, maybe 10 things on my to-do list to do in a day. And they're, like, you know, small tasks that I can chunk out or whatever. But I find it really useful. Like, I used to basically just throw myself at the brick wall of trying to do a thing, even if I had absolutely no motivation to do it, because it would be like, oh, well, I've got to do it, or, like, it's due sooner than these other things that I could feasibly do or want to do more. So I should do it and I'm going to keep doing it and trying, even if it's really bad for me mentally. But what I've kind of learned to do over the last like year or so is actually go, this isn't like being nice to myself and just going, this isn't going anywhere. So I'm simply going to stop doing this because nothing productive is going to happen. And I'll just do like, you know, I might spend a half hour researching these storage containers and go, I can't think about this anymore. So I'm going to go do something else and then come back to it when my brain is reset. Hmm. Um, And that's like, it seems like a very obvious (laughs) way to approach things, but like, it wasn't really. And then when I kind of made that switch, I was like, oh, well, this actually does wonders for my my you know sustainability and my job yeah. and whatever I'm doing
0: I was like, the exact same I remember so much in high school of like just trying to force myself to do things to a point where I wouldn't let myself like move until I had done them mm. um and then just like crying because I just couldn't do them um <laughs> and then the it's like like what you're saying of like throwing yourself at a brick wall it's like you're just going mm. all you're gonna do is mess yourself up when you should really just go and like build yourself a ladder um Mm, which is like i like that yeah thank you (laughs) metaphors (laughs) um yeah but of like and being able to just like acknowledge the fact that if you need to take like 10 minutes where you're like hands off from something doesn't mean that you're not doing things or like it doesn't mean that you're being unproductive with that (sighs) like time um it just means that sometimes thinking is so hard and sometimes you just need some space to be able to do it um but I think as well um also (laughs) when we talk about ADHD like this I'm like how is this a thing (laughs) um I I find that um sometimes if I'm getting bored of a task it just it's just gonna get harder and harder as it goes on um so I will go and take like a little while to go and do something fun um because then I come back and if if I'm I, my brain does this weird thing where it's like it doesn't matter what I'm doing if my brain is in fun space then everything I do is fun um so um uh, doing going and doing that and doing something fun and then coming back I find really useful um as well um yeah that's that's all I was gonna say <laughs> I, th- I, I
2: think like a lot of us try to force ourselves to you know or like hold ourselves up to neurotypical standards mm. and we try so hard to force the thing because we're consistently told that we're lazy or you know insert every other thing that we're told but like once we learn to just like let go and just work with what we have as much as we're given so for example you know like if there's flexible working conditions we'll, we'll take that or like if there's some amount of you know leeway i mean that's really important to kind of do things that will help us thrive rather than trying to like what what was the analogy throw ourselves against like a brick wall yeah cuz yeah. like one thing i noticed for me was um I'd consistently force myself to go to social events even though I, mm. I knew I was shattered because I was like like I have to go you know it's a, a thing that you know people expect me to go to and I'd go and I would I just like I was pretty much nonverbal like I couldn't have a, a conversation because I was mm. just like so tired um, and now I'm just like nope I'm gonna say no if I'm tired I'm gonna trust what my body and mind is saying and I'm just not gonna go um, I'm not going to force myself to you know go to things where it's not going to it's not going to be a good engagement for the person who's invited me and it's not going to be good for me either.
1: My new favorite thing that I've been doing recently is if people especially like I think we've talked about this before but like in terms of the the scheduling and some of the rigidity around that like I find it really hard when people want to be like oh are you free tonight and I'm like Probably, but I've actually made plans in my brain to do stuff around my house and, like, not socialize. Mm. Um, I find it really hard when people, like, are kind of just, like, spontaneous like that, I guess. But also because I live so far away from town, so it takes me ages to get out there and ages to get home. And it's a whole rigmarole if I haven't planned it. But my favorite thing to do currently is if someone is like, oh, do we want to do things tonight? And it's like, I don't really want to do it. Is I'll just be like, oh, no, sorry, I already have plans. And I don't have to tell them that the plans are for me to clean my room and eat a lot of food and watch Japanese dramas. Yeah. <laughs> They're still plans. Yeah. <laughs> so I will simply just say that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and like it's like, you know, I guess because there is that stigma of like, oh, haha, those aren't real plans. You're just being antisocial. And it's like, no, they are plans. They're simply just not social ones. Yeah. And I am actually allowed to hold those as being sacred time for me. Mm. And not feel pressured to attend these last minute hastily planned social events that I'll probably have a bad time at anyway.
0: Yeah, totally. Oh, I feel that so much of like if I (laughs) if I don't know about like a, a social thing at least like two days in advance, I'm like, it's probably not gonna happen. But um on the the um the social side of things, because I'm a massive extrovert, so I absolutely love to be around people. Um like <laughs> as much as possible. Um, but a thing that I've been letting myself do is like letting myself leave early um, mm. of like, if it's if like something is from like one until five and by three, I'm just like, I kind of just want to be alone or I kind of want to put my like energy towards something else. I'm like, there is no point in me sticking around for two hours when all I'm thinking mm. about is leaving um, when I can just say bye and go now um because also if i'm like distracted as well um, i find it really hard to be able to communicate with like other people like have a conversation because my brain is just at the, the point where i'm like um how can i um come up with an excuse to leave now <laughs> um, mm. yeah um which is something that I've been letting myself do. And I used to get like big FOMO of like, if I leave left early, I was like, oh no, they're gonna do so many fun things mm. without me. And I'm gonna be on the outside. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just like, it's actually um, a lot more fun to get what you need out of a social interaction and have a good time and then just go and do what you need to do mm. rather than exactly. sitting around. Mm. Maybe, how has your, like, perception or the way you interact or think about your ADHD um, developed over time? Of like, like to go first, Maggie. Yeah, do you want to go first, Maggie?
2: Um, thank you. I usually use the analogy or the model around, like, the um, stages of grief because mm-hmm. um, that's definitely what it was like for me. Um, so when I first found out, like, I had been kicked out of uni and, you know, um, struggled to um, hold down a job, and so, like, my perceptions of ADHD were very much like, it's a bad thing, it's going to be a struggle, you know, like, it's, especially all the research that was out there is like, um, you know, we're a burden on society, we're a burden Mm. on our families, just, like, so many things um and it took me a very long time to get to where i am now um you know i went through the stage of um thinking that um you know like neurogenesis um like or what is it and neuroplasticity yeah um like if i just like exercised and mm. meditated like like i i fixed my brain <laughs> Um, and I would be fine and I'd move on and I'd be a normal human being um, and then I was angry at you know the way that um, my condition was um, sort of affecting my life um, and then yeah I went through a whole bunch of different stages and now I'm just at you know acceptance like I um, very much think that society can do better to support us. Um, I think that research is um, not doing a great job at like challenging stigma and stereotypes which is why I'm wanting to do my PhD in ADHD Mm -hmm. research um, is for that exact reason. Um, I think that you know we do have to manage our condition to a certain extent and have good like healthy habits and stuff but I think yeah I think a lot of my understanding around it now is a lot more healthy Mm -hmm. and it's not just you know seeing my condition as you know being this disease or you know a failure on my part um more that you know, society can be more accepting and yeah. um, work towards, you know, breaking down barriers for people like like us. So, um, yeah, big change.
0: Yeah, I feel like I completely agree with what you said of, I feel like a big switch of mine has been uh, taking the onus off of myself quite a bit, mm. and then um, being like, this is actually not my fault, the fact that... I do not feel capable of doing this or I feel really overwhelmed by this or um, this is just like too hard for me right now. Um, and instead of being like, it's not t- too much to ask that somebody be in the room while I do dishes because mm-hmm. I need like a body double in order to do things. Or like, it's not too much to ask that I, I don't know. I just like get to take a, like a day away from people completely or that I get to just play video games for like 12 hours um, because (laughs) um, of like it's not too much to ask to like take care of myself and being able to do things for me and it's just like other people's expectations on what I should be doing that are bogging me down basically of like I don't have to have a hobby that actually um, has um, outcomes. I could just do (laughs) things that are fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um yeah, I I really like vibe with cuz I haven't heard it described that way before in terms of the stages of grief and I really vibe with it actually cuz well, I mean like I um went and pursued a diagnosis not cuz I was like well, you know, I was like the first person in my family to get a diagnosis about it. So like no one had picked up anything at all. Um and I I never been in, you know, like I've never been faced with being kicked out of university or anything like that extreme um but it was literally just me going oh hang on (laughs) why am I working this full-time job and having such a hard time with it and so for me it was like because once I realized I had ADHD I was like oh I have ADHD and I was like extremely relieved actually um And I think most of the processing and the grieving actually happened before I realized that that's what it was. Because especially with, I I think we've talked previously about like the um, rejection sensitive dysphoria side of things. So feeling like like having a bit of a hard time socially and feeling like it's difficult to fit in or read other people's social cues and feeling lots of rejection, whether or not, you know, like a a keen sense of rejection, whether or not it's like reflected in the reality of the situation. And I really struggled with that, like, all my life especially in the social context um and you know struggled all throughout school with being like why can't I just do things and I didn't know that it was ADHD and so like I went through all that grieving previously being like what's wrong with me like why can't I just Mm. do this and like feeling angry and helpless and scared like that this was going to be what it was like forever and like out of control of my situation in my life But then as soon as I was like, oh, this is actually what it is, that was, like, the thing that helped me accept myself around it. Mm -hmm. Like, not that I, you know, like, obviously the ideal is that I don't need a label or a diagnosis in order to be like, you're cool and accept Mm -hmm. yourself, Jay. Um, But it just actually brought to my attention that, oh, no, this this isn't just, like, all in your brain. I mean, it is all in your brain. (laughs) 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 You know, like in the way where it's like, you aren't imagining this, this is like real, and there's nothing wrong Mm. with you. It's actually just the way that you are. And you're just a diverse individual who just has different needs than other people. And that's okay. Um, And so like, when I had my diagnosis, I was like, oh, well, actually, that's pretty vibey. Like, I'm learning more about that and going, oh, actually, my life makes a lot of sense, given the context of the way that my brain is hardwired to work. And like, It allowed me to be a a lot more forgiving of myself. And especially because like I'm investigating like autism diagnosis stuff because often those are comorbid and I have you know, talked to psychiatrists who was like, ADHD question mark, unsure, but you seem like you're probably on the Asperger's spectrum, but if Mm -hmm. you meds it's right for you, don't want to mess with that. And I was like, okay. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Um but it also just with all of those things helped me be like, oh okay, well, And like you were saying, um, Compass, around the, like, you can give yourself room about those sorts of things. Like, I used to be very severe on myself, especially around the... Because I I like to think I'm a very intuitive and very empathetic person. And I'd still find it really hard to pick up some social cues and be really confused Mm. when people were, like, upset with me, if they weren't, like, directly vocalising that to me, and being very blunt and literal about things. Yeah. And, um... You know, I used to be really hard on myself, like, oh, I should have just known, like, I should have picked up the signals they were putting out. And now I'm like, you know, actually, they can just say that. They yeah. can just tell yeah. me. <laughs> Like, instead of me having to, like, mind read every little last thing, they could just simply communicate, like, what they're mm-hmm. thinking. And it takes two to tango. And, like, yeah, there are probably things and ways that I could conduct myself that might be better or, like, ways that I can grow. But I'm not the only person that has to do that. Mm. Like, everybody does yeah. to engage with each other in, like, a regular healthy capacity
0: so totally i think good. i think the um the social like not being able to read social cues is something that um maybe has come up for me in the last like year or so um mm. because I, I pride myself on being very good at socializing um small talk a <laughs> small talk is uh, my bread and butter um but um i think recently because i guess it i think i have just like I socialize a lot more now than i used to which means that i'm it's a it takes a little bit more out of me energy wise Mm. which has made it hard maybe not so hard in like reading people but in being able to react in an appropriate way um because Mm. sometimes i'll just have to take like a a little while um to think about how i'm meant to react to something Mm. in a like a socially acceptable way um and especially with like the work that i do where like sometimes people are talking about um stuff that's like quite upsetting as well i've and being able to react to that in an appropriate way is important it's not that i don't like empathize with it it's just about like how am i meant to show that on my face in this yeah. social situation which i found um quite tricky and i think with those the the stages of grief as well i feel like i'm a little bit different as well if i feel like when I, um, like, leading up to my diagnosis and then getting my diagnosis, I was like, yeah, duh, ADHD, <laughs> having such a good time. And then the stages of grief came, like, a lot, like, a bit later um, mm. when I was, like, starting to feel the, like, uh, I'm about to say that. But- the implications but I don't feel like that's the right word but like the the effect of my symptoms mm. on my actual life um mm. because like I was like with before my diagnosis and then right after my diagnosis it was like yes things were harder um but they were still manageable and I didn't feel like I was necessarily failing at things I just felt like um they could be easier and then it got to a point where I was like I do genuinely feel like I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing and that i am failing and then that was when i went through those stages of being like why mm. is my brain like this why can't it just like be neurotypical uh, why am mm. i not able to like achieve all of the things that i feel like i should be achieving um where i am right now um and then sort of i think going through that and then just realizing that everybody is uh, goes like is at different places and that sort of like, I guess, a very linear narrative of success is Mm. really inaccurate to basically everybody. Um, And holding yourself to that isn't sort of going to help you in any way. Um, But also that there's very little, like, your situation itself um, probably doesn't come from you having ADHD. It just comes from the situation that you're in. Um, which I think is, um, yeah, uh, it's a little bit annoying and tricky. Um, so I guess are there any other things that we'd want to chat about? Maybe, um, something that we've noticed, um, change, um, over time or something that we've gotten better at or something that's gotten harder, anything like that? Is there anything else we would like to bring up? Sorry, that was a really big question.
2: (laughs) Um think just general awareness has grown significantly mm. um and yeah a sense of calm I guess like it'll it'll still spike you know if I'm feeling anxious and stuff and I'll have that sense of self-doubt but um yeah it just it feels more stable now I think um especially after meeting other people with ADHD and you know, seeing that they're able to be successful and um, have, you know, successful relationships and, and jobs and, and yada yada. And I think, yeah, um, a lot more stable in that regard for me.
0: Yeah, I, I think he, he surrounding myself with people with ADHD mm. has been like the best thing ever. Um, mm-hmm. Not only for like being able to see, um, I don't know yourself reflected a little bit and like maybe the things that you struggled with reflected as well um but also just like that social support um understand that the magpie's still there yeah Of um, these yeah the uh, the the social support that comes with it of like i have like a friend that um if i feel like i can't do my laundry or like that feels really big we do our laundry together um cute or like being able to facetime someone when i'm doing my dishes because i need somebody to be there while i'm doing them and being able to i find it way easier to ask other people with adhd to help me with things related to my adhd than to ask neurotypical people for it um Mm -hmm. which i think is um like that adhd um network of friends have really become like quite important to the fabric of my life
1: yeah, I find that I end up dating a lot of people who are also neurodivergent. because <laughs> yes. Our brains are just sexy. Yeah, it's but, true. <laughs> but it's the same, similar thing, I guess. And it's just like being around people who are like you helps with like self acceptance in a way. Like you know, for, I saw this great TikTok that was like, um, "Here's the vibe check for people who are neurotypical." And it's like someone sitting in a room and they just literally make this noise. They're like, bah. and then it's like you know, neurotypical person's reaction. Reaction one is like, uh, "What was that noise?" Like. That was so weird. Like, why did you do that? And it's like, vibe check failed. And then if you go, mer, and they're like, murr, huh. does, that, does that sound, does that sound mean something? Yeah. Like, does that mean something? Like, why'd you do that? Like, as in not like a judgmental thing, but like, okay, cool. Hmm. Then it's like, vibe check passed when neurotypical typical people. And then if you're like, mer, and they're also like, mer, and say nothing else, they also know. Yeah. <laughs> well. And
0: I was like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> and it was like... yesterday I was like, um. With um, a bunch of friends for a barbecue and we all just started sing- singing I, I just started singing Country Roads and everybody just sang along uh, because was what was Perfect. going on in my brain and I was like this is the vibe it's like you passed it, we're having fun yeah mm.
2: I think you definitely need to surround yourself um, with like-minded people I think my flat is like a really great um, environment for me because we're all very weird yeah um, <laughs> And so, like, sometimes, like, one time we had, like, a moo-off who could pretend to be, like, who could do the best moo, and I was like, this is real, real strange. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then just, like, a whole bunch of other stuff, but it, um, it, it's really noticeable when you're amongst, like, um, you know, people that just get it, mm. compared to people who, um, like, tends to be neurotypical people who just... Who, d- who don't mm. um mm. and just see you is is very strange so i think mm. um it's great being surrounded by strange people
0: yeah Greed. love it yeah and I, fe- I feel like as well but like surrounding myself with like trans queer neurodivergent mm. people has been um the best thing to ever happen to me in my life um mm. because it's just that common understanding is so um necessary i think um And just being surrounded by your own people is just gorgeous Mm -hmm. and lovely, and very fulfilling. Mm.
1: Yeah, like (laughs) I literally would not have figured out that I had ADHD without the two of you, like at all.
0: I remember us having that conversation, like in the dark, (laughs) walking on the street, like, "Do you have ADHD?"
1: (laughs) It was literally, I literally was like. Hey, you have ADHD diagnoses. Do you think I have ADHD? And you're both like, well, yes. <laughs> you're like, well, it seems likely because we know you fairly well. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I thought so.
0: It's like, we was get this... along, so probably. Yeah.
2: <laughs> was this before or after we were talking about it um, at the SPCA? Because that was in... Have... This would have
1: been before that, because... Yeah. This was at like an end of year inside out volunteer meetup thing. Oh yeah. Um would have been in twenty eighteen mm. or like around about then, maybe. Mm. I don't know, sometime. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well that's great. Yeah. Mm. So
0: lovely. Uh ah.
2: and that's why it's important to talk about your condition?
0: Yes. Yes indeed. Exactly. Um, okay. So we have come to the end of our time, and I think that's a lovely note to leave it on. Yeah. Um, I love doing this so much, and I can't wait for next year. <laughs> <laughs> Likewise.
2: Yeah. All right. Could just um, run it until we're old. Yeah.
0: Grey. <clears throat> so yeah, be like in our eighties, just still going. Um, Perfect. All right, you've been listening to Speak Out Radio on one hundred six point one FM. Um, Keats. Goodbye!